The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. 
That's 888-84-JESSE or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. Image. Image isn't something that just matters for some Instagram model. Image is really, really important. It guides nations, and we are losing ours. I'll explain. Also, masks, social distancing. How long do you think these things are going to go on? I'll tell you tonight, but I'm right. We need your help. Wear a mask for just 100 days. Whatever your politics or point of view, mask up for 100 days once we take office. 100 days to make a difference. It's not a political statement, it's a patriotic act. 100 days. Just 100 days? It's only 100 days. It's only 15 days to slow the spread, didn't you hear? It's just 15 days. All right, all right, a month. All right, till Easter. It's going to be Easter. It should be noted that this week's going to mark the 100-day mark. And I will tell you something. I've never been a mask shamer. I, I don't wear one myself I'm in, unless I'm in a situation where I'm required to or on a plane or something like that. But if you do, I don't judge you. It, it's fine. If, if, you, if that's something you do, you do you. Don't yell at me for not wearing one. I won't yell at you for wearing one. I don't do a lot of finger pointing. You should, this is how you should conduct yourself. So you do whatever you want. But I will tell you, this morning, the reason I'm talking to you about this right now is this morning. I'm driving into the studio. Normal day. It's all fine. And as I'm getting ready to make a right, there's a gentleman drive, or running by me on the sidewalk, just out for a morning job. And clearly a runner. I mean, dude's obviously in some great shape. And he has two face masks on, running outside by himself. Now, this is clearly not some idiot. He's a functional adult out taking care of his body, going for a jog, running around outside with two masks by himself. And it, it hit me. I know you've all seen this. You've seen the person driving around by themselves with rubber gloves on and a mask. I know you... It hit me. It's going to be a decade. It's going to be a decade, and there are still going to be people out there walking around, wearing masks, staying six feet away from everybody. Where's the hand sanitizer? It's going to be a decade of this now. And remember this. Remember, there's a reason it's going to be a decade. Because once you set somebody down a path, it's difficult to get somebody off of it. Once you set a narrative, it's very, very, very difficult to convince somebody that's wrong. Because the human mind, once you've been marching down this way for so long, the human mind doesn't want to accept you were going the wrong way the whole time. You need to turn around and go back there and go exactly the opposite way. Look, I'll ask this again, as I've asked you a thousand times. If six feet away and lockdowns and masks, if those are what prevent the spread of coronavirus, as we were promised, as the narrative told you it was, as 50% of the country still believes, why aren't people dying in droves in Florida and Texas? Nobody has been able to explain this to me once. Not one person has offered an explanation to me. 
And I'll tell you something else. Do we find this mentally healthy? Do you really think, whatever your stance on it, whatever you personally do, do we think it's healthy to have children running around with masks on? I saw it this weekend. I was at a hotel, whole family, beautiful looking family, young couple, two, three kids, all of them under five, all of them masks on their face. Is that healthy mentally for those children? Here's your mask, Billy, or you're going to die. What are you telling your children when you do that to them? And look, Joe Biden, Joe Biden is already an international punchline. And I actually don't enjoy saying that. As much as I love making fun of President Pudding Brain, it does not give me great joy to know that my president, President of the United States of America, people snicker about him overseas. You know that, right? You know that's real? These overseas leaders, even our allies, they get with their friends and family and they go, oh, gosh, have you seen Joe Biden? Yikes. That's embarrassing. I don't like being a punchline. And he seems to just embrace it. This is Joe Biden on a Zoom call with a bunch of world leaders. Now, do you notice anything different? Look at that. Just hold it up for a second. Do you notice anything different about Joe Biden and everybody else on there? I'll tell you what. One thing you've obviously already noticed is the masks, right? Wow, he's the only one who felt the need to wear a mask on camera. That's how embarrassing the American left is. Yes, that's true. You notice anything else? Go ahead, I'll give you a quick second. Look at the pictures. You notice anything else about that picture that just grades on me? Where's the American flag? Look at all the other world leaders proudly displaying their flag. It's a side note. I'm not going to get off on it, but I will tell you the anti-Americanism that has infected the Democratic Party, it's infected this entire country, it makes me sick, and it's the reason we're in so much trouble. It is. It's the reason we're in so much trouble. People have been raised and educated to despise the country in which they live. Even countries out there that kind of suck, I'm not, I'm not being mean, I'm not pointing any fingers, but even countries out there that kind of suck, their citizens are taught to love their country, and they're filled with patriotism, and they love their country. Americans? Americans are taught that this place is terrible, that, that this place is sexist and, and racist and, and evil, and colonizers. And the Democratic Party pushes this message over and over and over and over again. Remember when they had to be shamed? Get this. This is not a small thing. The Democratic Party had a national convention and did not display an American flag, not one. Do you realize what that means? Think about all the people that go into planning a big convention and not one of those Democrats who planned that convention sat back and thought, maybe we should have a flag. I mean, it is for America, not one of them. Didn't even occur to them. Anyway, but the president, the leader of the free world, sitting there wearing a mask as an example to others, sadly, it is powerful. We still have people to this day driving around, driving around by themselves with masks on, driving around by themselves with face shields and gloves on, or driving around with family members who they live, work, and worship with, with masks on. What, what are we doing? What are we doing in this case? It's... it's it's all performance art, too. You know, somebody once said, and I don't know who said this, forgive me, so I'll just take credit myself, but somebody once said that politics is just Hollywood for ugly people. And I, I laughed about it, but it's true. 
That's absolutely true. None of this stuff actually matters. Here's Kamala Harris sitting down with Dana Bash on CNN, standing, sitting 90 feet away from each other. Both of those people have been publicly vaccinated. Both of them. So what is the point of all this? Is the point to permanently keep people scared and hiding? And please, Mr. Government, just tell me what to do next. What am I allowed to do? I work for you. Just save me. Is that what we're doing? Is that the kind of country we want to be? The kind of country where people live in fear? Even if coronavirus was, and I'm not discounting the fact that it's killed a bunch of people, but even if it was more serious than it is, do we want to live in a nation of fearful people? Do we want to live in a nation where people are so scared to die that they won't live? Do you think that's going to make for a happy prosperous nation that lasts a long time oh and get this before well, before i give you the headline i want you to imagine something i want you to picture something i should say i want you to picture social distancing and all the ways you've seen that in your life i want you to picture those restaurant tables set 20 feet away from each other you can sit in this booth but not that booth i want you to picture you buying some groceries Standing on the little footprints, make sure you sit here, and then, and then when they move, you can stand up here. And I want you to picture all the ways social distancing has been driven into your head. The narrative has been set for the last year. I woke up today. I saw this. I about fell over laughing. This is from the New York Post. You're no safer from COVID-19 social distancing at six or sixty feet. Study says. Well. Well, wait a minute. I, I was promised that we were, and I had to sit back and watch you completely reorder Western society based on social distancing. So if that turns out to be wrong, you're going to have to forgive me. I don't need a whoops. Anyway, no, no, no. I want people held accountable. I want people held accountable. I want people standing before Congress having to give an accounting of themselves. We are not going to carpet bomb the mental health and wealth of Western society and then at the end of it be wrong about everything and go, oh, well, whoops. Anyway, back to my government job. Not that I want to point any fingers or name any names. Here's Dr. Fauci. I think it's pretty common sense now that outdoor risk is really, really quite low with the country is going to be going to be hearing soon is updated guidelines from the CDC. The CDC is a science-based organization. They don't want to make any guidelines unless they look at the data and the data backs it up. But when you look around at the common sense situation, obviously the risk is really very low, particularly if you're vaccinated. The common sense situation? We had a virus a virus that attacks the lungs, and we close down the gyms. What? What? Making people's cardiovascular system weaker. We had a virus that attacks the lungs, and we close down the gyms. This hasn't been a common sense situation from about, oh, 30 seconds into when it started. This whole thing has been a ridiculous joke. And every expert they've rolled out on TV has said something dumber than the expert that came before him. And I went to community college. 
The crazy thing about this whole thing is all the people who've been wrong, you know, I was just talking about there needs to be congressional hearings and whatnot, and people need to be held to account. They won't be. The most wrong people in this whole thing will be the people most celebrated, and that's how you know your system, our system, is completely broken and corrupt and possibly beyond repair. This is, this is real. I'm not making this up. This is from New York Times. It's an opinion article. Quote, so Anthony Fauci isn't perfect. He's closer than most of us. On my life, I'm not making this up. This is from the article. Shocker of shockers, Fauci isn't perfect, but he has been perfectly sincere, perfectly patient, a professional standing resolutely outside while so many of the worst currents of American life. Oh, gosh. More than that, he has been essential. We owe him an immeasurable debt of gratitude, not the mind-boggling magnitude of grief that he gets. We owe him an immeasurable debt of gratitude. We do, actually. Thinking about that now, we do owe him an immeasurable debt. Well, I guess we don't owe him. We owe China and we owe the banks an immeasurable debt because we've piled on trillions and trillions in debt because of his idiotic idiotic, ineffective suggestions for how to deal with COVID. Texas Governor Greg Abbott said this, today, Texas had the fewest COVID hospitalizations in the last 10 months. Two days this week were among the four lowest days in the last 10 months for the fewest number of new lab-based COVID positive tests. The seven-day positivity rate has been below 6% for 42 straight days. Again, I have to ask this. If social distancing and masks and lockdowns are what stops the spread of coronavirus, as I have been told time and time and time and time again by Dr. Fauci and every Tom, Dick, and Harry with a lab coat, if that's what stops coronavirus, why are Texas and Florida doing so well? Why? And if the answer to that question is the answer we all know it should be, Who is going to be held accountable for the mass damage that has been done to your and my country? Who's going to be held accountable for it? Because I don't want to happen what I know is going to happen. It's Dr. Fauci riding off into the sunset with his cushy federal paycheck after 30 years, a nice little pension fund, still getting 50 grand a pop out of speakers tour in colleges. That is a disgrace if that happens. And you and I both know it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But back to what I said at the very beginning, remember this about narratives. They're everything. So when you see Republicans, and they do this every time, jump on the system's narrative right when it comes out. Oh, oh you're right. The, the system is right. This is, this is scary. We're all going to die. Go home. Ah! And then about a month too late, they always realize, oh, wow, this whole thing was wrong, and I'm an idiot, and all this was used to crush me. Well, by then, it's too late. Maybe next time when we get a major thing pop up, and there will be a next time, maybe next time we should find our spines, don't you think? I sure do. We have a great show for you tonight. Curtis Hout coming up next. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. 
my career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me a drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. Speaking of uncomfortable, are you carrying concealed yet? Have you figured out how to use a weapon safely and trained so you can use it proficiently yet? If not, why not? Get it done and start carrying your weapon legally. When you carry your weapon, I've been carrying a long time. There are smart, comfortable ways to do this, and there are stupid ways to do this. If you want to walk into some random hunting shop and buy any holster off the rack, you're not going to enjoy carrying concealed. If you do what I do and go to Northwest Retention Systems, you're going to enjoy it very much. Their number one seller is this sweet Scout chest holster. I carry inside the waistband. Mine is a join or die inside the waistband holster. Custom made. Not, not, not big box store stuff. Custom made. That's why it's so incredibly comfortable. I've carried a long time. I've never carried anything like Northwest Retention System gear. Go get yourself some. Go to nwretention.com. That's nwretention.com. Don't forget to use the code JESSE. That gets you 10% off and free shipping on everything over 100 bucks. We'll be back. And every one of us knows that young children are not affected by this virus. They're not. And that's a blessing. But as the adults, what have we done with that blessing? We've shoved it to the side and we've said, we don't care. You're still going to wear a mask on your face every day, five and six-year-olds. You still can't play together on the playground like normal children, seven and eight-year-olds. We don't care. We're still going to force you to carry a burden that was never yours to carry. Shame on us. My six-year-old looks at me every month before I come here and she says, are you going to tell them tonight? Tell them I don't want to wear this anymore. It's time. Take these masks off of my child. Daggone, 
We need her to run for office. We'd finally get someone in our party with a spine. Joining me now to talk about that and other things is managing editor of Media Research Center, Curtis Haug. Curtis, look, I tell people all the time, get your kids out of government schools. Yeah, it's this is not a joke, people. This is entirely arbitrary, as we found out, learned over the last year here. And as you know, Jesse, that mental health is really big for me and this is not this is not a joke this is doing serious damage to people here the emotion that this mother uh in i believe in gwinnett county extolled was just it's heartbreaking it's difficult to listen to that you know i've listened to it a million times but listening to it just now tonight that's just it's painful and yet you know you have these people at cnn and msnbc and they don't care john berman the host of new day got his second shot yesterday he wore three masks. Three masks <laughs> for his, his second shot. Are you kidding me? Like, I mean, he's a funny, he's a nice guy, but like, come on, man. That's just, I mean, that's deranged behavior. You know, almost like Joy Reid saying that even though she's received her second shot, she's not going to be traveling anywhere anytime soon. And that she encouraging people to still wear two masks. Jen Psaki today at the White House press briefing was asked by Peter Ducey at Fox, why is Biden the only world leader at the climate change Zoom last week wearing a mask? Well, he wants to model good behavior, was, was Jen Psaki's answer. And because he's at work, he wasn't in the residence, so therefore he needs to wear a mask. Even though Joe Biden's been vaccinated since like, I don't know, December. I mean, this thing is so arbitrary here. If there was actual science behind it, for especially vaccinated people, I think people of all sides can agree. If you're vaccinated, there, there's no point whatsoever in it. I look forward to once I'm fully vaccinated in about June. Um, I'm not wearing my mask. This is ridiculous. Curtis, I'm glad you brought up the mental health part of it because I actually talked about this in the opening of the show. It hit me mm -hmm. this week. I was at some hotel, family, young family, young kids, a bunch of them under six, easily under six, all of them walking around with masks on as a family. And look, uh, like I tell people, you wear what you want to wear. Or don't wear what you want to wear. D don't tell me that that is healthy for a child. And we have parents doing this to their kids. God only knows what those parents are telling their kids at home. And now th this is going to affect people for years. What you're getting at that age is going to affect you the rest of your life. Right. You think about how this pandemic has affected adults, you know, yeah. how it's affected people like me who, like, live by themselves and for a number of months when nobody knew anything, we at the MRC were, you know, working from home. Um, it was really difficult for people like me. So I can't even imagine what it's like for kids. Kids, specifically in the age range that's being talked about here, elementary school age kids specifically, where they don't understand the real world, that the world is tough and understand politics, you know, that people do things not because of their best interests or what's in the best interest of everybody, but because of their lust for power and wanting to hold on to power here. These kids, yeah, or beyond that, even if going beyond mass, those little boxes in their classrooms that people put up, like walk around in bubbles, like everybody's bubble boy or something. This, is, this isn't fair. This is so ridiculous and it's doing incredible damage to people who, you know, these kids, they need social skills. They need to be exposed to people at different surroundings. They can't just be locked in their homes here. It, it's abuse what's going on here and the damage we're gonna be dealing with for years and years and years to come. And really those people that work in child protective services and specifically, you know, family therapy, like the practice that I go to where my therapist is, 
God bless those people because they're going to be dealing for years and years and years to come with the PTSD that comes from this, uh, just the isolation that is. And understanding this mask, why, trying to explain to a little kid that you have to wear it because if you don't, like this virus will get you and kill you. I mean, it, 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 yeah, I've got nothing. Yeah. Look, the only way I mentally abuse my kids like that is by telling them there's a huge monster that eats kids in the attic so they won't ever go up there and hurt themselves. <laughs> and it's worked like a charm for a while, Curtis. All right. Changing subject here, Andrew Cuomo. I, I, I would just like to do my favorite thing in the world, as you know, Curtis, and pat myself on the back because I told everybody and their brother when half the female population on earth came out and said he was getting too touchy with them, that Cuomo was not going to resign, he wasn't going to go anywhere, and this whole thing was going to blow over in about a week, and now we just have a report out he's the highest paid governor and doing just fine. This is the Cuomo way. That is New York. It is corrupt. It's terrible. The Cuomos have their fingers in all of it and have for a long time. Their dad did it before them. Why are people shocked by this? Right. Well, well. Uh, what's the what's the name of your show, Jesse? I mean, well, just again, you were spot on here. Uh, you know, this is like Marion Barry in D.C. after he got caught with drugs. You know, the people still elected him anyway. This is exactly what's going on in New York here. You know, as much as you want, and I hope that the people like Janice Dean are able to convince enough New Yorkers to stand up and do the right thing. I I don't see it because we're still talking about New York. You know, we're not talking about Texas or really any other state in the union. We're talking about New York, you know, all the different people there and the characters there. I still bet Cuomo's going to do pretty well, and that's what the media are doing here by not talking about it. You know, they're talking about Ron DeSantis, another governor up for re-election next year, because they think by talking about him, they can beat him down and destroy his 2022 or 2024 chances and somehow make Nikki Freed, Nikki Fried, a thing in Florida, whereas, you know, she's not going anywhere. But by not talking about Cuomo, they can help him really skirt to re-election here. And, you know, I think a lot of weak conservatives and other people that just aren't totally or that are totally clueless are going to be standing around in November of next year and December of next year be like, what happened? How did he win by like 10, 15 points? Well, this is why. When they don't talk about him and they really undercover what's going on here and they don't beat the drum, which is what the media did with Donald Trump and Russia for years and years and years. That's the kind of effort that we should be seeing with Cuomo and the media, but we don't. Of course. Curtis Alec, everybody. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Anytime. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint and your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. All right, hear me out. A lot of people don't even know that home title theft is a thing. And I'm not making fun of you. 
I didn't know. I didn't know. And so I opened up my phone one day and there's, wait a minute, that's my, that's my home title. It was an email. That's, that's my signature on it. What? Your home title is not a piece of paper. It's, it's not sitting in a bank vault as a piece of paper. It's online. And because it's online, these cyber thieves have realized this is the honey hole when it comes to cybercrime. They can hack it easily because it's online. Forging your signature on it is nothing. And then they go hunting. They go hunting for a lending institution. They always find one. They take a loan out against your home and you start getting bills in the mail. Past due? What, honey, did you take a loan? What? Yes, you did take a loan. And you will pay that loan back. Your home insurance will not. You will, or they will evict you from your home. Or you could just go get home title lock. Home title lock will detect any tampering and shut it down like that. Go to hometitlelock.com. Use the promo code radio. That gets you 30 free days of protection. We'll be back. Well, everybody can remember LeBron James once again opening his dumb mouth about the most recent horrible police shooting where a 16-year-old girl was dead. And it was tragic and it was terrible. And of course, LeBron has to give that police officer advice. So you have to respect a cop with a sense of humor who rolls out this video. Dispatch, I've arrived at that disturbance. We have LeBron call my cell phone right away, please. Thank you. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. No, can you put the knife down, please, sir? Sir, no, 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 sir, don't stab it. No, no, stop stabbing. Stop. Oh, hold on. Hold on. It's LeBron. LeBron, hey, you got to me again. Listen, I'm out here at this disturbance call, and there's a guy trying to stab another guy with a knife. What do you think I should do? That's Why does that matter? Okay, uh, well, they're both black. One guy's trying to stab another guy with a knife. Deadly force is completely justified. Uh-huh. I see. So you don't care if a black person kills another black person, but you do care if a white cop kills a black person, even if he's doing it to save the life of another black person? I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but then again, you are really good at basketball, so I guess I'll take your word for it. All right. Yep. Okay. All right. Thanks, LeBron. Michael Jordan's the GOAT. What? Nothing. I gotta go. Sorry, guys. You're on your own. Good luck. Joining me now, host of Drew Hernandez Live, investigative reporter, Drew... I wish culture didn't matter. I wish athletes and actors, the Oscars were last night. I wish what they said didn't matter, but it does matter and we lost it. How do we get it back? I mean, LeBron James is literally a useful idiot, right? He has a massive platform. He just, he's, he's controlled opposition. He doesn't understand context. Uh, he should just stick to dribbling because his statements, I mean, he does have the ability to reach millions of people. Uh, and we can't leave out the fact that he reaches a lot of unstable, mentally ill people uh, that follow Black Lives Matter and believe all of the communist lies that black people are being hunted in the streets. So we can't sit here and give him a pass because we know that there are people that hear that, uh, especially when he posted on Twitter saying, you're next. Uh, you think people that are unstable, that are ready uh, to really go kill some cops aren't on the streets reading that, uh, getting mobilized? That's irresponsible. And I think we just cannot allow this to go on any longer because these narratives are turning into some serious, serious uh, violent actions in our streets in the United States of America. 
drew Oscars ratings last night down massively. I, I have this wrong, but it'll be pretty close. I believe the numbers from a few years ago were 43 million. I think that was in 2013, down to eight or nine million last night. That's roughly what it was. So that's a good thing, right? Not a bad thing? I mean, I think people are just sick of the woke culture, man. I think people are just sick of being force-fed propaganda and a narrative that uh, white people are bad and black people are the saviors and brown people are uh, victims to white people. And I think every time you turn on the TV, that's all you're hearing from Disney, that's all you're hearing from Nickelodeon, that's all you're hearing on ESPN, that's all you're hearing whenever you turn on the TV. So I think people are just sick of woke culture. And it's not as popular, I think, as people actually believe it to be so. It's just we have people in power that have their hands on these levers uh, that are continuing uh, to shove this propaganda down our mouths. So I think it's, I literally, I think it's as simple as just turning off the TV uh, and supporting uh, a network that doesn't push out lies and propaganda like the first. Drew, first of all, I want to show everybody this interview you did. I want people to just, just watch this and take this in. Here's Drew. We're not, we're never going to be satisfied. Black Lives Matter isn't a trend, it's a movement. Black Lives Matter forever, okay? So we're not going to stop just because we got one conviction. We're happy with conviction, but we're going to keep going. We're going to go for Dante Wright. We're Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and so many unnamed faces out there. That is just going, so many, this is a black genocide. We're out here for more people, not just this one. This is more than one case. We're not satisfied. Not going to stop. Drew, what else did you hear in these interviews? I love, uh, by the way, kudos to you for going out and putting yourself in some dangerous spots and doing these things. What else did you hear in your time out there on the street interviewing these people? I mean, Jesse, lis listen to the terminology she's using. She's using terms like black genocide in the United States of America. There, there's absolutely nothing remotely close to a black genocide in the United States of America. That's absurd, that's irresponsible rhetoric, but that's coming from the left-leaning mainstream media, that's coming from left-leaning politicians. Maxine Waters peddles this, Nancy Pelosi peddles this, people like LeBron James put stuff out on Twitter, like I said. This is the type of response that we get from people in the streets, and it's a, it's a disservice to justice because at the same time, they're, they, they are literally Marxists, so they don't want peace. They want the destabilization of the United States of America, so that's why she says we will never be satisfied in Black Lives Matter forever. So at the same time, what's happened with this verdict, it set the precedent that no matter what the context is, especially like the shooting in Ohio, even if it's justified, even if it's a black life being saved by a white cop, it doesn't matter because now it's set the precedent that we will threaten you, we will burn down your cities, we will never be satisfied if a black person dies at the hands of a police officer, regardless of the context. I mean, even one of the possible jurors came out after the trial and admitted that she was in fear of her life and in fear of possible riots and being responsible for further riots if she issued a wrong verdict that BLM didn't want. So this is an attack, this is a subversion on our justice system. They're threatening people, they're threatening elected officials, and even elected officials are threatening citizens. Maxine Waters came out and said, we need to be more confrontational. What the heck do you think that means? That means more violence in the streets if we don't get what we want. And these people are getting away with this. They're the insurrectionists. They're the domestic terrorists. They're the ones burning down buildings in the United States of America. They're the ones that are responsible for the death of people in the streets of America over a movement that's built off of lies. Drew Hernandez, everybody, host of Drew Hernandez Live. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. All right. I'm going to...
talk to the people who have a friend or family member who dips tobacco or smokes. I know you love them. I know you do. And I know you want what's best for them. So when you say things to them like, you need to quit, don't you know that's bad for you? I know that comes from a good place in your heart. I do. I, I, I dipped for years. I know. I, I went through it. It's not helpful, though. It's not helpful to have a finger pointed at you, to be lectured. What is helpful, though, is presenting them with a solution instead of a problem. Jake's Mint Chew is the solution for people who dip, for people who smoke. The smokers especially get the CBD pouches, although I'd recommend those for the dippers too. You just, whenever it's time for a cigarette, you throw in a little CBD pouch. It's flavored. They got four different flavors of the CBD pouches. Takes that edge off and soon you'll be done. And it's nicotine free and it's tobacco free. It's even sugar free. Go to jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That's J-E-S-S-E. That gets you 20% off. We'll be back. Black snow, the thick soot that pollutes Pahokee, Florida. There's Cancer Alley, which is an area along the Mississippi River in Louisiana that's lined with oil refineries and air so toxic in New York South Bronx that 20% of children have asthma. What do these cities have in common? They're all examples of environmental racism, a form of systemic racism. Joining me now to talk about that and Joe Biden and a whole bunch of other things is the great Lenny McAllister Sr., host of the Red and Black Show and a contributor to Red State. Lenny, I, I don't understand why we have to be teaching kids this kind of insanity. I get it at some idiot college where they're trying to, you know, uh, pour enough propaganda on your kid to ruin the one you spent years raising, but it's got to be little kids now, too. What is environmental racism? Well, and part of it is, Jesse, uh, they're missing the point that there are other instances where you can look at this, and it's less about race and it's more about class. Would you like to know what city has some of the worst air pollution still as far as air quality in the United States? It's my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which, by the way, <laughs> is one of the whitest cities in the United States. Um, statistically, you look at Allegheny County, even with the city of Pittsburgh, I think Allegheny County is 14% African-American. But if you look at the rates of asthma, breathing disabilities, and you look at things such as skin cancers and the like, they're disproportionately high in Pittsburgh. Well, has something to do with the steel mills that were here since the 1800s. Does that find itself rooted in racism per se? No. Does it have to do with class? Does it have to do with where, where people set up industry? Yes. Do you find ways where poor people have been exploited and if poor people are disproportionately black, will they be part of that? Yes. But again, to teach a third and fourth grader that this is purely environmental racism, that this doesn't happen in Appalachia or elsewhere, again, makes it seem as though it's just about putting black people behind the curve. Ironically, she mentioned the Bronx, and I'm sitting here in Pittsburgh saying, sister, come down the highway a little bit. I, I got something <laughs> for you here in Pittsburgh if you really want to know about something like this. I hear you in the Bronx, but Pittsburgh has been a story where people talk about how it looked like midnight at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, just about 70, 80 years ago, which is in my dad and my mom's lifetime. 
funny story about that. I actually was not planning on this. I did not know Lenny was sitting in Pittsburgh. I just found this out. I was born in Steubenville, Ohio, right <laughs> across the Ohio River from Pittsburgh. My grandpa was a season ticket holder to the Steelers. I've been to Pittsburgh a thousand times, and he's 100% right about the pollution. We moved to Montana when I was 10 years old specifically because of the cancer rate still in that particular area of the country. So he's not wrong. And my dad would tell me stories from when he was a kid. They would wake up sometimes because everybody's a union worker there and power yep. mills and things. But there'd be a black film on their car. You could run the your cars. finger across it like dust. Absolutely disgusting. Which I'm glad you brought this up, Lenny, because this is what's been bothering me a lot lately. The, everyone wants to talk about race all the time now. Racist, race that, that's not racist. It is racist, racist cops, race, 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 race. And I've been screaming to people what you just said. It's not a race problem. We have a class, people, where the wealthy powerful are making the peasants hate each other for the color of their skin while they gain more wealth and more power, and nobody, nobody on the back end of this who's poor now is going to come out better off than they were before. But I guarantee the tech oligarchs are. I guarantee the leaders of the Democratic Party are. The leaders of the Republican Party are. And the poor people are going to be even poorer with less protection, and we're going to hate each other for nothing, and it's their fault. Here's the thing. People don't realize that looking back at history or even looking at contemporary times and trying to contextualize the role of race and culture from that perspective and then moving forward is not the same as what you're starting to see in, in, in abundance, which is blame so many things on race. And, and this is the insidious aspect of it, this is the un-American aspect of it, to make it seem as though race problems will never go away in America, that you cannot overcome this. Again, 100 years ago, the Italians, the Irish, there were signs that said Irish need not apply. The Klan was not just lynching black folks. Obviously, we know they were. I'm Catholic. I was born and raised Catholic. They were lynching a whole lot of Catholics in the South, too. They were lynching Chinese immigrants, too. They were lynching Irish Catholics, too. I mean, go ask the Kennedy family what JFK went through in 1960, which, again, is within many people's parents' lifetimes. So let's not talk about race from a context of this is a barrier that we can never get through. Let's talk about race from the this is where we came from, this is what we've overcome, this is what we still need to do, and how do we do it in a way where we truly embrace what it means to be American, which is this infusion of all these different cultures and making the most out of what we've all been through to have the American way of life moving forward from here. Lenny, I have to ask. We're talking about infrastructure a, a lot lately. I mean, that's the politics out there now. Two trillion, three trillion, four trillion. I mean, the numbers are so big, nobody can actually make sense of a number that big, but it's gigantic. I really get upset about it now because Republicans blew so much money when they were in. I feel like we lost any leg to stand on to point at Democrats now and say, you're spending too much money. Well, we were yelling about Obama spending seven, eight hundred million, rightfully so. And then we went in and promptly spent trillions every single time. So now when they up it a little, what are we supposed to say? My 1.6 trillion was okay, but your two trillions outrageous. I feel like we lost a lot when it comes to the fiscal stuff. We lost the moral high ground when it came to that. And on top of that, people forget the infrastructure talk was a Trump talking point early in his administration, and people politicized it. 
even as we have bridges collapsing in Minnesota, ironically enough, we've been talking about Minnesota a lot lately, but there was a, there was a bridge in Minnesota that collapsed. People died. You, again, back to my hometown, one of the cities that is literally a city of bridges, has the most bridges in its metropolitan area out of any other city in the world. The, the, the rate or the grade that they gave for the infrastructure was a C minus just as recently as a couple of weeks ago. You know, this goes back to, Jesse, when people talk about education, it's not just college edu uh, educated people that we need. We don't just need college graduates. Somebody has to fix the bridge. Somebody has to weld on that bridge. So when you start talking about what American education and what we need to have as an American society, and this kind of goes back to the spending, we should be smart with what we're putting into place. Make the argument so that you have these public-private partnerships. But to your point earlier, if you have Republicans who are supposed to be fiscally responsible, not staying on message and staying to principle when it's time to govern, it's great to say it in front of a television camera. What do you do when you get to write the legislation? If you don't do what you're supposed to do by doing right by the American people, you lose the opportunity then, and then you lose the ability to push back effectively now. Lenny, I'm glad you brought this up on the education front. I will tell you, I understand that people, especially in my folks' generation, were thought of, you've got to go to college. Go to college. Everyone has to go to college. That's us. If you're a success, you go to college. I teach my kids something different now because I, the, the money these welders are making, uh, elevator mechanics, HVAC guys, a I, every rich dude I know is a plumber. He goes to work in an ugly plumbing van and drives home and gets in his Mercedes and takes his wife out for steak every night. I don't think you, we should be pushing this you have to go to college thing on kids anymore. We demonized blue-collar workers in the early to mid-1990s. We literally shamed America out of valuing them. And as a result yep. of that, you now have another generation where we looked down on them and didn't need them, and then we wonder why our infrastructure is crumbling. We're wondering why some of the things that we have needed over the past 10 years and then highlighted during the pandemic came to pass. Again, for example, think about the innovation that was necessary to get Americans back to work during the pandemic. Those are entrepreneurs. Do we really push our kids through grade school, high school, and college to be entrepreneurs? I know that in a charter movement here in Pennsylvania, we have schools dedicated to entrepreneurship, but generally speaking, we don't encourage kids to think outside the box. And then when we need it in the real world, we don't have enough people that think outside the box. We have to start shifting what education means now, because again, it's not just about what we're dealing with regionally or statewide. We're still competing with the Chinese. We're competing with the Indians. We're competing with others, and we don't fight wars with bullets and bombs. We fight it with cash and with code. And if we're not positioning our people to be able to do that on the back end, you can't keep America safe on the front end. Should be noted the great Japanese Admiral Yamamoto in World War II said anybody who's seen the auto factories of Detroit and the oil fields in Texas knows you cannot beat, a, beat the United States of America in a war. Lenny, I do have to ask before I let you go because Pittsburgh has the best sandwiches on the planet. A lot of people don't know that. What's your favorite Pittsburgh sandwich? Holy cow, if you go to Permanis, you put something on it. I mean, I've had a steak, fries, and egg. People don't understand, by the way, folks that don't have never had a permani sandwich everything comes with french fries so usually it's either the chopped chicken or every now and then i'll have the steak and the french fries and some cheese and some lettuce and some coleslaw and boom oh lenny McAllister, thank you brother appreciate you thank you god bless you take care
All right, we're not quite done yet. Is there anything more embarrassing than politicians? I, I really mean this. How often do you see politicians do something or say something and it makes you physically wince? Because it happens to me all the time. You think to yourself, there's no way anybody's that cringy. But they are. They are. Uh, let me introduce you to the most powerful United States senator in the Democratic Party. This is Chuck Schumer. He put up a tweet last night saying, excited to be watching the Oscars with an ice-cold plant-based beer. Thanks, Joe Biden. And I would like to point out a couple things. One, who in the world sits that close to the television? Two, who watches TV in one of those wooden chairs? Anyway, those are the chairs restaurants put in their restaurants so you won't sit around too long after you're done eating because your butt went numb. Anyway, it's time to lighten the mood anyway. We changed the picture. Thanks to my buddy Josh for showing what Chuck Schumer should have been watching. And no, in case you're wondering, I did not watch the Oscars last night. I hardly ever watch the Oscars. It's just yet another thing I won't consume. I don't need professional sports lecturing me. I don't need the Oscars lecturing me. I don't need sitcoms lecturing me. I went and did something else last night. Highly recommend you do the same. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball. From Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.